What's up guys, Lisa here. Just want to let you guys know that rating and reviewing this podcast means the absolute world to me. And to encourage it, I'm reading out weekly reviews. This review comes from Ailey B. Walker. About a year ago, my boyfriend introduced me to impact theory stroke relationship theory. I absolutely love hearing about the journey that you and Tom have been on and gained so much inspiration from the both of you. I've just discovered Women of Impact and listened to the first episode and can't wait to listen to the rest. Named one of the five most beautiful women in the world by Elle magazine, this real-life Aphrodite stood at six foot by the age of 12, and being mistaken for a substitute teacher at school was a common misunderstanding. But her love and passion for volleyball grew faster than Danica Patrick drives, and she couldn't deny it. So modelling in New York one day and spiking a ball in Cali the next turned into an average week for her. Until she noticed something. Until she noticed that the model seemed unhappy, stressed and deprived while her volleyball teammates were always full of life and eating for strength and substance. So while some may think she was crazier than Arthur Fleck, she decided to turn her focus to volleyball full-time, and that decision paid off. Becoming a pro beach volleyball champion and world-renowned athlete, today's Women of Impact not only competed at the highest level, but she at one point did so while five months pregnant. She not only became Nike's first female spokesperson and first female athlete to design a shoe, but said shoe eventually became the first woman's shoe to outsell the Air Jordans. And she not only wrote the book, My Foot is Too Big for the Glass Slipper, where she boldly shares personal stories of her career, motherhood, and real life ups and downs in her marriage to surfing legend, Laird frickin' Hamilton, but said book became a New York Times bestseller. Yes, it's clear to see that this role model for women worldwide isn't for play. So please, help me in welcoming the creator of High X Training, XPT, an extreme performance training program which she developed after years of personal experimentation for her own relentless pursuit to elevate her own fitness. The woman who has graced the covers of Sports Illustrated for Women, Shape, Self, Harper's Bazaar, Vogue, and has regularly appeared on Good Morning America, The Today Show, and Chelsea Lately the athlete, model, author, wife, mother, entrepreneur, fitness leader, and just a damn good, badass human, Gabby Reese. I think we can go home now. <laughs> I can only go down from that intro. That's amazing. Girl, seriously. So as I was writing that, you've done so much. But mm-hmm. the biggest thing I want to talk about is, obviously, you were modeling, and so you know, having the height and the beauty. I've heard you say that you had nothing to do with that. It was right. given to you as genetics. But playing volleyball, being elite athlete, that takes time, energy, consistency, focus. Um, But I love that you were able to leverage both, that you used your beauty to Mm -hmm. get the attention for your sport. Talk to me about that, being that deliberate Mm -hmm. um, and being that self-aware of how you can use it to your advantage. Because I think a lot of people um, would shy away from certain things like, oh no, like I don't want to put this on a pedestal. Mm -hmm. But girl, I love how strategic you were to use it to your advantage. Well, I think you said an important word, which was leverage. You know, it's an interesting part of the conversation because... Why is it fair as a female, you know, I was 18 when I started modeling, that I, if I, someone said, okay, for whatever reason, you're fitting into this definition of this business fashion, where you can get paid for the way that you look. And so it's an unusual thing for me, because I think that that's a very old story. Hmm. I think women understanding or using or leveraging their appearance, um, we've 
probably done for a really long time. And then the flip side of that is being somehow upset that we are judged by our appearance. So for me, I was like, okay, I could be comfortable leveraging something I don't have anything to do with if I can respect myself in what I'm doing and spending my time doing, which part of that was working really hard in volleyball. And I think for me, what the fulfillment I got from sport and from training and from trying to improve each time and from losing and the lessons that come with that and winning and how good that feels and using that as a metric of, okay, I wasn't doing this. We figured it out. The metric of that we figured it out was this time we won. There was something really rich in that for me. And also it felt like something I was a little more in control of because mm. the truth of the matter is, I think even at 18 or 19, when I was in New York, Yes, my size is part of why I could do it, but it was also going to be the limitation in fashion. I knew it right away. Because when you can't fit into everything, you will not be able to do everything. And so again, there was strategy in that, but just as a person, I had to ask myself, what's really turning you on? And I always felt a little bit more, well, a lot more, like an athlete. And that's what I was going to say. So, you, I mean, you know, you're getting all this attention for modeling. Mm -hmm. um, you can't necessarily fit into or conform to it. What made you decide to not conform to it? Um, because I'd heard you, as I'd mentioned in the intro, where you're like looking at these people and you're like, they're just miserable. Is yeah. that what said, I don't want this for myself? And that's why you chose being more of an athlete than a model? I think when you're no, if you're being told, oh, you're very pretty or you're very beautiful, if you have something else going on inside of you, you understand, I don't know that that's what I want to bring to the table. Mm -hmm. I appreciate it. It's flattering. It feels good. Let's not kid ourselves. Yeah. It's all really nice. And enjoying the fun part of like, wow, you look pretty. Um, but pretty is everywhere. I just have to go outside right now. Mm -hmm. Pretty's everywhere. And so as uncommon as it seems to be and as highly celebrated as it is, is I actually think is common. And by the way, there will always be someone younger. There will always be someone more beautiful. And I, I just knew that early. And at least when you do something where you have to develop a skill and a craft, that is genuinely for you. And even in athletics, someone will come along, they will be faster, they will jump higher, and you will have a time. But at least you've got to do that work for yourself because that's the stuff that then translates into life. Mm -hmm. It translates into new pursuits and going for new goals and relationships and taking constructive criticism and all the things that your whole life is about. So I, I don't know that I ever looked at it just as a sport. Um, fashion was an incredible business. I got to travel and learn and meet really talented, creative people. But I think I understood that being in sports would give me life lessons that I could direct. I say you're like a gun and you can just direct it anywhere. And sports kind of sharpens that. I love that. And I love what you said about beauty. And I've heard you say that um, if beauty is your currency, you're just getting poorer every day. Yeah, that's bad news. I love that. Because I mean, it's know. so true. Which actually makes me think that people sometimes say that really kind of about sports. It's like, oh, oh well, yeah. once you hit your 22, you're well, done. Well, they're very similar that way. Yeah. And you know, people talk about being in the present and I really believe that. So how are we in the present, but having the wherewithal to go, hey, listen, 
What's the shelf life on this? And where do I want to be in five, 10 years? So what do I also need to be adding to my daily practice so that I can build that? So when I have to step off this, it's not, I'm not going to just drop, mm -hmm. but I'll step onto this other thing that I've been working and cultivating, whether it's a skill set, a business, a family, all of the above, so that the transition is easier on me. Mm -hmm. uh, because there's nothing worse than like doing something in a, really high level and then all of a sudden nothing we need we need this as people we need we need challenges we need goals we need relationships um and so i was always here and there and um, i think that really made it a lot easier for me that's so smart i probably wouldn't have thought about doing something like that but i always think about i never want my past on my now to be the pinnacle of my life. Everything I'm always about to do, I always think, oh, well, you're gonna do better than you did last time. So yeah. even with Quest, it's like, no, I mean, that was a billion dollar company, yeah. great. How do I make Impact Theory into a $2 billion company? Right. And having that focus and that drive, at least for me, allows me to not, quote unquote, mourn my past. Yeah, and that's, that's something we all need to look out for. And I, I think, you know, Laird says it a lot that uh, he heard a quote once, you know, never let your accomplishments be greater than your dreams. And I think that if we keep being defined like, oh, you're the CEO and oh, you're the All-American, um, that, that in the long run is a death. We will live and die by that. And so I think when we define success, it has a lot of different looks to it. Mm. It doesn't have to be like, okay, well, this one, everyone loved it or it got me a lot of attention or was the cash cow. Right. Like success can have all these different things and bring you and enhance you for different reasons and people have to hear this if you have something when you're younger that is really uncomfortable maybe it's a family situation maybe it's an economic situation maybe they've had a trauma happen something if you can figure out how to make peace with that and navigate that that will be one of your powers Right. So I never fit in. I was really tall. I didn't have the best time growing up. I didn't have a very particularly stable environment. And somehow early on, I was like, you know, I just want to like contribute to something and make a nice life for myself and live in a safe place that's clean and there's food. And I don't think I got distracted with the hoopla. Hmm. And that was very helpful. I think what happens to athletes, and it's really normal, or people in entertainment or music, is you get so distracted with the hoopla that you don't know what you're really thinking and feeling. And actually, a lot of the people around you might want to keep you like that. Mm. So I think for me, I was so clear about what I needed, which is pretty basic. It's actually still very basic. I don't, I need the challenge. I need to find something to go like, hey, What's the reason to get up besides my kids? I love my children and I love my husband, but I need personal purpose. Mm -hmm. And, um, and you know, like, let's have a nice meal all together at the end of the day. Do you mind me asking what the trauma was that you had to deal with that you overcame and then use that skill set to further my, yourself? When I was two, I didn't live with my parents. I was raised by a very kind couple who took me in. They were friends of my mother. So from two to seven, I didn't live with my parents. And um, my father passed away when I was five during that time. And, and even though it's very sad, I'm, I, because I didn't see him every day, it was a different kind of loss. Mm -hmm. I think if you had a dad that came home every day, that would be a heavy duty. This was a, 
a different type of loss. And then I moved back in uh, with my mother uh, when I was seven. And, and I just had a lot to navigate uh, because I think she certainly has done her best. I don't, there wasn't a great deal of consistency. Let's just say that. Um, and that's probably where looking ahead always came from because I had to look ahead. You better know who's around you, what they're about and where you're trying to go because the adults in my life are not navigating that for sure. That's interesting. And then just being really big and weird and awkward. Like that wasn't people were like, you're fitting in. So then if you never fit in, you're like, fine, I'm comfortable with like, what do I want to do? I'm not trying to fit in. I'm just trying to do what I'm trying to do. And I think for me, I really never fit in. And luckily I grew up in the Caribbean. So there was a lot more diversity. Mm -hmm. So there wasn't, it wasn't quite so defined. Like here where we live, it's like, it's very defined about like what fitting in is. And um, so I think it just liberated me from ever thinking that that was the way to do it. And even going in fashion, barely the clothes fit, none of the shoes fit, you know, it's just the constant. And so you just sort of make peace with it because I, one thing I will say is I don't torture myself. I was going to say, how do you actually do that? How do you not torture yourself and make peace with it? What are the actual steps? It's sort of a level of acceptance. There are certain things that are out of our control. And if you can identify that early, and I don't care if you're 10 years old, because you can, you just look at it and you go, it seems to be the way it is. You know, it's like the East Coast, New Yorkers, it is what it is. And there's something so very true about that, that when you're meeting a situation, it doesn't mean wronging an, an injustice. I'm not saying like, well, that's just the way it's always been. I'm not talking oh, about I, that. Interesting. I'm okay. talking about things that you can't change, right? Like I had a guy say to me once who was a sports performance guy. I was probably like 25 and I was going to see him for sports performance, but we got into this whole thing about my mother. And he said to me, you know, you're waiting to have this conversation with her. Like she's going to say, Gab, I'm so sorry. And I left and then I didn't do this and I'm, I'm going to be accountable. And I, I apologize. Um, he goes, that's not going to happen. So you have to find the way within yourself to have that conversation. And I think that's what it is in life. I think a lot of people spend time going, well, you know, that happened. And then they did this and my so-and-so is an alcoholic. And all of that is very hard. However, there comes a point where you go, what is the magic that is my life? And what do I want that to be? And if you can do that, it makes sort of accepting things and then also moving forward so much easier and not wasting your own time. It's like, man, you have stuff you can be doing and be giving. And if you're talking about that, which granted, it was shitty. It is, I get it. Um, And it even is things that you're gonna battle in your personality. Like I have things in my personality I have to battle because of the hardwiring. Give me an example. Well, you know, I'm a grinder. I'm a hard, I I act a little bit like my feet are on the fire sometimes, even if they're not. Mm -hmm. I think it's like you're reacting off of a reality that was so long ago and you're like, but that doesn't exist anymore. Like you're safe now, as safe as we can be. Sure, yeah. And so I think it's sort of checking yourself and going, I understood why I developed these things, but now I've got to start offloading some of them because I'm living in a different reality. Mm -hmm. And they're limiting. They're great. And then they're limiting because then you're just, the record's the same. Um, So at some point you have to go, I accept, I forgive myself as far as understanding why the brain is working this way. Now, how do I find the way to be where I am now? So if you're not learning that safety in your house when you're little, um, 
you've got to figure out the way, what kind of life do you want to live and what kind of relationships do you want to have with people? Because now I'm a parent. And for example, I had my 16 year old daughter say to me the other day, she's super emotional. You're too measured. She said that to you. Mm -hmm. And she goes, because when you talk, I can see you feel other things, but your words are so calculated. Mm. And I'm thinking, yes, because I really want to be sure that this is, I'm representing what I'm going to feel now and hopefully like tomorrow. But there's a lack of vulnerability in that. Because mm. also you're not like not making weird mistakes as much. And sometimes just saying how you feel, it's a little messy. And it might even be something you have to say sorry for, but it's actually more vulnerable. If you own your own business, when an employee leaves your company, whether on good terms or bad, it can feel, I hate to say it, but it actually can feel personal, like you and you alone are the one to blame. And it actually may even trigger you to lock down your business, not open yourself up and not actually risk trying anyone else. Like you actually would your heart after a bad breakup and avoid looking for that new partner altogether. Well, let's face it, sometimes we can do that with highs as well. And trust me, guys, I've been there. I get the thought of bringing in a new stranger into your business actually fills your heart with more anxiety than it does love and joy. But when you post your jobs on LinkedIn, you can actually feel the confidence that you will find the right person for the right job fast because LinkedIn isn't actually just another job board. LinkedIn has a vast network of more than a billion billion with a B professionals, which makes it the best place to hire. Because guys, it gives you access to professionals that you actually can't find anywhere else. And so LinkedIn does all that while making the process easy and intuitive, which then makes hiring with confidence easy when you have that many quality candidates. And it's so easy, in fact, that 86% of small businesses get qualified candidates within 24 hours. So post your jobs for free at linkedin.com slash Lisa. That's linkedin.com slash Lisa to post your job for utterly free. And of course, terms and conditions always apply. As an entrepreneur, one of the biggest challenges you will face is the negative voice in your head. You know who I'm talking about. That may be not so small part of you that loudly doubts your abilities to actually pull the things off and make a living from your passion project. But you've got to overcome that negative voice in your head, homie, because I'm telling you, you can do it especially if you use Shopify. Now, Shopify is an all-in-one global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From launching your business to hitting a million dollars, Shopify has got you completely covered. And with all the built-in Magic AI award-winning customer service and the internet's best converting checkout, you have everything you need to shut down the voice of doubt and make all your amazing business dreams a reality. That's exactly why, guys, I love Shopify. So if you want to start growing your business with more customers and sales, shut that negative voice down and prove her wrong that you can do it, Shopify is here for you. So go and sign up for just $1 a month with your trial period at shopify.com slash Lisa, all lowercase. Again, guys, you can go to shopify.com slash Lisa right now to grow your business, no matter where you are and what stage it's in. That's shopify.com slash Lisa. Are you um, interested in trying to change that? Or did you say to your daughter, this is who I am? Oh, no. Of course, you got to keep trying. You have to go. You have to go. Okay, I can hear that. 
Um, because if your goal is not to defend yourself, but to say, hey, I'm just trying to do the best I really can, then you have to be able to get that input. And let me tell you, input from your kids is like a you know ice pick to your eyeball. <laughs> it's the worst, right? Because it means so much to you. Um, absolutely. Because I think the more you're saying, I'll look at it, then in a way, you're, you have less to be afraid of. Mm. You don't have to like pile it on and be like, no, it's all perfect. It's like, oh, uh, you mean I got to work on that? It's like saying sorry, mm-hmm. right? When someone says like, well, you did this instead of like defending and trying to come out right, you just go, okay, I blew it. And I think it's the same with like, hey, I'll, I'll take a look at it. That's so amazing and so refreshing because at least for me growing up, I always saw type A's as being um, stubborn, mm-hmm. um, dogmatic. and Well, that's true too. <laughs> so you find yourself that you're stubborn and dogmatic? Oh, I think of, of course. You, yeah. I mean, in certain ways, for sure. Mm. I mean, how do you get things done? How do you, um, you know, it's even like we talked about superstitions are actually rituals, mm. right? So there's certain things that in order to get from here to there, you have to have those qualities. But you're very aware that you're being like that to get to you where you want to go. Um, and at the same time, you're aware that when someone like your daughter comes to you and says, hey, um, you know, you're, you're not being you know, open, that mm-hmm. you can stop, not be defensive, take that in and say, okay, I'm gonna grow and learn from this. Yeah. Like I've always, growing up at least, I always thought it was one or the other. It didn't happen naturally. Really? It's no. been a lot of work for you? It's been having children. Really? So the kids made a difference in that? Well, and, and I think I'm in a long partnership, but with my husband. That's interesting. And so you have to be like, listen, do I wanna learn the hard way or do I wanna participate in the learning? And if you shut it out or ignore it or defend it, you will learn the hard way. Mm-hmm. But if you can try to hear some of it, it might be doing you a favor in the long run and at least showing the people that you deeply care about, I am willing to take a look at it. I'm willing to try. I will be imperfect. I will blow it. I actually may never get there. I might be always measured, but I'm willing to hear it. And I'm willing to at least recognize it when I can, when it's happening. Um, but your kids, you know, when they talk about like, oh, they're your greatest teacher. It's like you start to realize why, because you love them so much that um, you just have to be willing to look at it. How do you hold two thoughts in your mind of I'm going to be the absolute best. Nothing's going to get in my way, right? The champion's mindset. Mm-hmm. And then also I'm not good enough yet. I need to keep mm. getting better. I have to push myself. I have to grow. I will never be done. How do you carry those two things together? Yeah. A lot of my success, whatever that means, came from fear, right? Like people go, oh, this, how, you know, you're so, how'd you do all that? It's like a lot of fear, right? Like I was trying to like survive. Like fear of failing? Uh, f- there was, well, when you don't, when you grow up with no safety net, you Got understand it. you better pull it. Got it. Okay. And, and if we went into professional sports, more than 50% of the people there are there because of that survival, fear. These are very powerful motivations. And so how do you, after a period of time, you've won enough, you've made enough musicians, like musicians write all this song out of angst and heartache and all this like heavy it's what we would call to the negative set of emotions Mm -hmm. right what do you do and how do you make it when um you're using positivity as your as your well as your fuel and i started looking at it like this 
I'm aware that um, I'm just a portal, right? Like we're all portals here. We have things to contribute and give every single person. And it doesn't, it can be on uh, different levels, but we are. And if, if for some reason I'm a portal for something, then I go, okay, I have to take care of that responsibility. And it's really that simple because when you start to live long enough and you go, wow, I got to, I loved volleyball and I got to play volleyball. I have an, like the best partner and husband. I got to meet him. How fortunate for me. And that's the same with the marriage. Like I'm going to take care of the marriage more because now as I've been in it longer, I recognize that doesn't actually happen for everybody. Mm. It wasn't as easy. It doesn't mean we haven't gone through hard times, but just to meet a person I feel that strongly about, it's like, wow, that's really fortunate. Mm -hmm. And it's the same with this. So instead of being like, yeah, I did that, da, da, it, or it's my right, or I've earned it, or do you know who, you know, it's like, oh no, I'm going to care for this um, because the fact that I'm excited about anything and then I get to do it, um, pretty lucky. Love that. Let's talk about your marriage because I've heard you say like I don't know if I'm going to still be married in a year. I don't know if I'm going to be married in five years. Um, for someone that's been together and married for 20 years is it? Together 24, married 22. Wow, 22 years. Yeah. It was really interesting to hear you say that and I'd love to ask you why do you use that perspective? I think it's realistic. Nothing in life is guaranteed. Does it push you, though, to make sure that you're always, it's like a garden, you're always, you have to attend to the flowers. A marriage and is and, like a garden. Yeah. So is know? that why you say it? So that, because if it's not guaranteed, I better work on it today. You know, when I wake up each day, I think to myself, okay, I'll give it my best. Because that's all I can do. Mm -hmm. And that means, uh, you know, when I see him in the morning, I am I'm pleasant. I say good morning. I don't assume every day that I walk down, like Laird's going to be sitting there. So why not when he's there, be like, Hey, good morning. And it's amazing because it's, I call it the up cycle. I smile. He's like, hi lover. And then it goes up and people don't realize how much they can be in charge of that. And also I will say this to be true. Laird and I are both pretty tough. Mm -hmm. So there is a little bit of an inbuilt in checks and balance. It's just the way that it is. What do you mean checks and balance? You know, we're, we're, we're always circling each mm -hmm. other. And the expectation is, without ever saying it, I know what Laird is bringing as far as, like, he is really trying to be his best. And he works very, very hard. And I think the, the hope for him is that I'm on the same page and that um, I'm trying to do my best and see and anticipate what's needed mm -hmm. to show up, to deliver, uh, and to be tough, like to go, Hey, uh, it's too far now. Like also, I think both of us know that the other, when we go too far, we'll be like, mm -hmm, and that will be, that's not going to work for me. So I think when I say that, it's like you self govern you, I'll self govern me. And, uh, and simultaneously we all have boundaries. Yeah. When I heard you say that, uh, so the, one of the reasons why I do this show mm -hmm. is I love to grow and change and be open to other ideas that I haven't thought of before mm -hmm. and to um, also have my own beliefs challenged. I think that that can be very powerful yeah. for each individual. And so well, I'm of the belief mm -hmm. that Tom and I always say, we don't even joke about divorce. We don't even say the word divorce. We don't literally, we call it like the D word. But even in this, you saying like, I don't know if I'm going to be married in a year. Like I wouldn't ever say that, but... 
it's so powerful. And like, so because I've had that belief system, Tom and I don't even joke about it. But I think that's healthy not to joke about it. Mm. It's more, mine's connected more to, you know what? I could hope, and I learned this from Laird, but let's not assume I'm even going to be alive next week. Mm. So it's actually connected Mm. to an overall philosophy of we have this moment. Let's sort of notice some of the small, beautiful things. Let's not take it for granted. What do we really want? Like, you know, like, what am I banging my head against Mm -hmm. the wall about? Is this really a big deal? And so it's not the assumption Mm. or taking this for granted. Yeah. Um, Acts of service is my love language. And so he got to the point where he was putting the kettle on for me because I drink tea every morning. Yeah. So he was putting the kettle on for me every Mm. morning. Mm -hmm. And his love language is words of affirmation and appreciation. Mm -hmm. And I got used to him putting the kettle on and I stopped thanking him. And oh, yeah. after it's, a, about, it's easy to do. And so after about three weeks, he was just like, do you notice that I still put the kettle on? And mm-hmm. I was like, wow, that's terrible. He's still speaking my love language, but I'm not reciprocating. Yeah, but that's the thing. You know, listen, I'll be honest. The athlete in me is the one that's diligent. Mm-hmm. So why I still try to eat healthy and train in that way is the same attitude I try to bring to my relationships, which is excellence. Mm-hmm. It's just that simple. How do I bring excellence to everything? Because I have to honor myself that way. And also, um, I know it really works. Like, I know that um, in the end, end, you sort of, that's what you got to kind of do. Mm. And, uh, and if you blow it, you just go, okay, I blew it. I'm aware. I'm sorry. And um, I think it's important because then you feel good. Mm, yes, 100%. Like, I can only control this. Right. You know, I always love, like, well, people, like, couples that think, like, somehow they can control each other. Um, you know, I'm married to a, a person who is the most loving and present and is, like, a wild animal. And it made it so clear. I've said this before. Laird told me years ago I had a mother and she died because his mother died early on in our marriage, which meant... Don't try and be my mom. Don't be my mom. Mm. And by the way, no woman wants to have sex with their son. So if I could encourage women not to mother their husbands, care for them, be nurturing is different than mothering. Mm. Um, So I think that that's a nuance that gets easily, I would easily have slipped into that role because I'm I'm bossy, right? Like I'm totally bossy. But I picked a partner that was like, yeah, no, no, you worry about you over there. And, and nobody is kinder or nicer to me than Laird. Yeah. But how do you like your core being, like you said, is your bossy, your mm-hmm. alpha, you're mm-hmm. extremely dominant. And you marry someone that is mm-hmm. alpha, extremely dominant. Mm-hmm. And I know in your book, you have said out loud, like I've, I'm, I'm submissive when I'm with him. Mm-hmm. And I mean, some, for some reason, the internet mm-hmm. went crazy over the fact that you said that. Mm-hmm. But um, talk to me about what you meant by that and mm-hmm. how it actually works for you because yeah, I'm, I'm fascinated. Yeah, what I was saying was um, that in the world, it's perfectly fine for me to, be an alpha and you know do all these things and that but that I found once I got into my home when you talk about love language like Laird's love language is um I mean obviously he wants to be respected but I always joke it's very easy sex and food it's so simple Laird is so appreciative when I when you put the food in front of him 
it just it's something mm -hmm. and I and I like to cook so it works out mm -hmm. if I didn't he'd say well we'll figure something else out so let's be clear and like enough intimacy that we're feeding that part of the relationship um, but that taking on that feminine energy in the house which also was an exploration for me right to express right. and learn a new language and another side of myself which by the way I wouldn't say is easier it's no, easier I... for me to be alpha to go out there and be like yeah. well let's do it like this and do that but to be more subtle to be um to i hate to say it there's a warmth and a sort of a finessing in your femininity like you wouldn't just go just fucking do it you know like that's mm -hmm. i would prefer to talk like that all day long Why? i would it's so easy but instead of like hey listen i, I just think it really would be important it's an important thing to go to you know um these are things that then i have expanded my language so can i stop you there did you guys discuss that at first that he wants someone that is softer and so you no. decided okay no, so no. what made you want to be softer then well, i'm not gonna alpha out alpha laird first <laughs> was of that just like a i don't want to like i like well i'm he... not going to okay. on my most alpha moment and also by the way i'm not as sensitive as laird laird is more sensitive in a way more vulnerable and way more alpha. So, you know, there's a quote from uh, a book called uh, Natural Born Heroes, to be a true warrior, one must be compassionate. Mm -hmm. I think real alpha males, and this is, doesn't get celebrated in our culture enough, it doesn't get discussed, we don't reaffirm this to young men. If you really wanna be a badass, you have to be kind and compassionate and loving and protective and you honor and honesty these things they just talk about like the bashing of masculinity versus i know a ton of like men that are rounded on both sides like this and they're amazing and they're and like i said laird is in a much deeper feeling person than i am in this feminine way mm. so it works it's not just like rah all the time <laughs> but i'm not going to alpha him yeah. so there in that moment was what, why am I with him? Because I want him. My house did not burn down a year ago because Laird stayed with the fire hose and my pool and fought the fire. I wasn't doing that, right? So that's why I chose part of the reason biologically I chose him. If all the lights go off, I know Laird will know how to get food and figure out a strategy for what we'll need to do, not me. How did you allow that to, make, to not make you feel incompetent? Right, I'm because not like, because I'm I'm imperfect. I have limited amount of skill sets. Um, I can't do all things. Yeah. I'm not good at everything, but I'm certainly not incompetent. Yeah. And um, and so I think half of me having that conversation was the confidence to say, I'm clear I can leave anytime I want. That's not what I'm talking about. I'm talking about a dynamic, and I've said it's even between same-sex couples. Someone takes on the male, someone takes on the female and it was not gonna be Laird. But meanwhile, Laird's the one who says to everybody, do you look at the moon? He's the one who cuts the flower and puts it on the vase, because I'm like, well, that's gonna die, it'll make a mess, okay, whatever. <laughs> like, I'm on my mind on other things. Um, but I wanna say something, and, we, and we, we were talking about it earlier. One thing I did learn about my mistake in the way that I said this is, I was born in 1970, I went to college on an athletic scholarship, I was in a business in fashion where you're paid 10 times the ma what male, males are played. I was paid as a professional female athlete. I did not have to fight for certain 
basic equal rights. Mm -hmm. And so when that word came out, which means of service, by the way. The word submissive. Correct. Mm. I understood after why it was such a trigger. Can you explain to me the trigger? Because I actually still don't get it. Because women felt like I was putting us back in the Stone Ages. And the thing is, I wrote the book about my point of view, and I wasn't discussing that Laird is of service from his side. Got but it. I wasn't going to speak for Laird. Right. I'm not here to defend everything. Yeah. I'm here to say, like, hey, this was my experience. Yeah. And also because I feel so sure of my own strength, I was like, I called it the power of yielding. And again, I've, I've talked about this a lot. If I see you at the grocery store, okay, we're coming down the aisle. Mm -hmm. There's only room for one of us. We've got baskets. Baskets are big. I could run you over. I'm sure of it like that with half my strength. Yeah. You know what I'll do? I'll go to the side. Mm -hmm. I will let you go every single time, whether you're smaller than me, older than me, bigger than me, a man or a woman, the power of saying, please go means you're sure that you don't have to, it's that confidence in but yourself, that you right? want to, mm -hmm. because it feels good. Mm -hmm. And it's the right thing to do. Not like, Oh, don't take advantage of me. Don't I'm going now. Like, mm -hmm. it's like, that is all fear based versus no, please go. And I want to live like that. And every time I get angry or snappy, I go, oh, what, what are you uncomfortable about? Oh. You know, so I think people go like, well, no one's going to take advantage of me. No, people only take advantage of us most of the time if we're in a dynamic that is uncomfortable to us. Interesting. I'm in a dynamic with a partner that I'm, I'm very well aware of his mm -hmm. contribution. And I feel really comfortable saying, I, I will yield to you because you're going to protect honor and do that too. And why would I be in any other relationship than that? Mm. Why would I not notice and go, I got to get out of this. This is not good. Cause I'm not in my best self. If my, if I'm bringing like, what'd you say? And here's the line and don't step up. It's like, who's in that relationship? Mm. I'm not here to reinforce to somebody you self-govern. It's the same thing with my friendships all self-governed. Once in a while, we'll bump the lines and we'll go, hey, and then we'll go, okay. And I think that that for me was, is the biggest lesson of all is why are we in relationships that we're choosing that we're not comfortable or we're not bringing out our best selves? Mm -hmm. Growing up, I really did struggle with, I really want to be independent. I want to be, you know, my own woman and yeah. I'm strong and I can handle myself. And if someone breaks in, I got them because that mental strength really does embody in everything else I do. Like if I think I can just physically defend myself, I don't know why, but it really does then um, transition over even into my business. I, I can handle it, I've got this. Like my poor husband has been in bed sick straight out for a whole week. Oh. And I'm like, babe, I got it. And I just help run the company and I just do the show and I, you know, um, kind of go on with it. So I know I can, but the truth is I don't want to. I want Tom to be an alpha, which is why I love like everything you say about your relationship. Um, it so resonates. And it was something that I had to go, you know what, people, at least for my own self, I've seen women be extremely submissive, but letting themselves go, like not really. That's different. Yeah, and I, I totally agree. And in what you were saying, because what I read you saying is exactly what you just said. Like I heard everything that you had said. Yeah. And it's like, I, I understand where you want to be your own person. You're going to self-govern yourself. But at the same time, when you're in a relationship, you have these positions and these roles. And I think to deny that, at least personally, I don't know, see how that could actually work. 
And especially right now, we're at a time where everybody is very afraid or something is going on where it's like, we're all the same. It's the same. It's the same. It's like, oh, it's, that's such a tricky thing. Like I'm the one who birthed our children. I'm the one who nursed them. As far as I know, Tom probably doesn't have a menstrual cycle. I don't know that my jaw is built to take a punch the way, you know, a guy in MMA is now. Of course, there's people, right, that do come over and cross over. There are women with more testosterone and they're faster than men. And by the way, I'm a big, strong girl. So I know it so intimately because I'm on the one side of the spectrum in certain ways. And so all I'm, all I'm trying to understand is what seems natural to me. By the way, there's plenty of women, and I completely acknowledge this, that they're in a dynamic where in certain ways they're in the male energy. Mm. And by the way, it can work beautifully. I'm saying for me personally, I just was really interested in like, hey, it's, it's flooding and somebody has to get pulled off the roof and Laird's like, I'll be back, you know, or um, something's happening bigger than I, in, a, in sort of an intuitive, instinctive way, know how to feel like I can handle. So originally partnerships were meant to, one and one is three, and if we're in a really bad situation, we can solve it together, we can figure it out, we can bring our strengths together mm -hmm. and navigate it. We used to live in a very rough world where that was necessary. And so I feel that in some ways I'm having a biological response to Laird, mm -hmm. where I'm saying, let's mm -hmm. come together, enhance each other's lives in a way that feels fair and right. There's always more load on the female. I don't care what anyone says. There's always what, sorry? More load on the female. Mm -hmm. Cause I care more about more of the stuff. Right. I'm like, what color are the cherries? Like who cares? Is, I love and so it's in my wheelhouse. Yeah. So it's like on my list. Yeah. It's not on his list cause he's delegated it to me. He doesn't care. Right. So we have to also remember that. I mean, listen, if you want to get crazy with it, I've talked a lot about this with my friends where they say, Hey, there's not enough women as CEOs. Okay. But part of that is, I don't think that we care. And if you said, hey, we're gonna, you're going to have like two little babies, you want to be around or you want to be the CEO, a lot of women would be, seem stupid. I think I want to hang out with the kids mm -hmm. because they're going to be big that quick. It's not that they can't. And there is an unfairness, right? Because if you're pregnant, guys aren't getting pregnant, he can still work. Now your pelvis hurts. Then you're going to stay home. You have a baby. All of these things create an unfair dynamic in work. But let's look at the whole thing. We can't just go, oh, we don't have enough CEOs. You're talking about a very nuanced hmm. thing. And there are some women that go, cool, that's what I want to do. And guess what? They're the CEO. Hmm. They will. If you want to, you will. And so for me, I, I think I just look at it and I'm more basic. I'm probably just more basic then. That's probably a pretty basic union in a certain way that I'm having with Larry. But I love that and like I think everything comes down to that fun fundamental foundational understanding because like for me and Tom when we first got married I definitely thought I had to fit this specific role of being a housewife um, and my family's Greek so I come from a very oh. traditional mm -hmm. Greek background where it's like you're going to get married and have kids and that's your life mm. and so I had this fundamental belief that I was going to be the person that stays at home and cooks. And then as we transitioned into Quest and I, you know, found myself and yeah. business and I never thought I had a passion for it and I loved it, I sat with Tom and we went over delegating roles. And so I was like, okay, so like, well, why didn't you do the dishes? And he's like, I don't want to do the dishes. Mm -hmm. And 
And I was like, but, you know, but I, we need to. And he's like, you want me to want to do the dishes, but I don't want to do the dishes. He's like, I'll be happy to eat on a paper plate. Mm-hmm. So if it's important to you, by all means, have dishes and wash them. But, and it wasn't out of disrespect. He was just saying like, but why am I being forced? Quote, well, to live to by your something? standards. Exactly. That's what I mean about like the chair color. Yeah. It's like certain things, you know, their brain, it's like, Okay, that doesn't feel important to mm-hmm. me. And for us, we're like, that is so important. Right. Isn't that pretty? He's like, do you like it? Do you feel happy? Does that make you feel good? Knock yourself out. And, you know, listen, people can get upset about the overgeneralization, but there's a lot of truth to that. And the thing I want for all people to do is to figure out what do they want and how are they going to do that, not do it my way. I can share my story, mm. but I'm not saying do it this way. But I am saying, what do you want? And what's going to feel good? And how are you going to do that? And especially if it can be skewed towards from love, from positivity, from peace. I don't want to have a life full of argumentative bickering. Mm. I did hear a stat from a friend of mine, the couples that bicker, uh, you know, they, they stay together longer because they're always clearing the air. I would have to take a nap if I bickered all the time with Laird. I just don't have that emotional bandwidth to be like, you know, but I'm, I think for me, it's all that. And it's people drilling down going, Hey, what's going to work for me? Mm. You know, I love how much you self-assess. And so my next question is, what is that next thing in your life that you're assessing and trying to improve on? I think I, I do something that is so very common, which is I really spend too much time thinking about, things that have not occurred. It's like, I'm always analyzing it and then breaking it down the five ways it could go. It's like, yo, it hasn't even just give it a break. And also being, um, this is something that I want to continue to work on, which is to be beyond, you know, warm and loving to find the way to be tender. Cause I think to be strong a lot of the time, it's nice, but I think it's good to show that you're not. And I use it, one, it's natural, and two, it's a defense, right? It Being was a- strong. Correct. There's a lot of it that is natural, and there's a lot of it that, like, that's what I've always done. Keep what's natural and say, hey, can you put tenderness in the way of that? And, you know, the great thing about sport is you're always working on what you're not good at. When you're in a team, right, your coach isn't like, okay, you do this so well, let's just spend- <laughs> all of practice doing this, right? It's like your opponents, what are they looking at? Well, she's not good going to her left. So guess where we're gonna serve her, to her left. So I think that's why you have to be like, I need to look at my left. Which is interesting that in sports, they focus on it and you need to, and they encourage it and you'd be foolish if you didn't. But in the rest of the world, in life, it's almost like people try not to look at that. Well, you have to do it in a safe way. What do you mean by that? Like in sport, right? Like, you know your weaknesses, but all you're trying to do is like cover them and protect them so you don't get, they don't get exploited. ah. And in the world, like I would share with things with Laird, like, hey, I need to confess something today. Like totally, it just makes it easier. Like, look at this idiot move I did or thought or whatever, right? And um, I think if you find people or environments that are safe to show your weakness, it's good. I don't think you just walk around, you know, have people that are unsafe and you go, let me tell you where I really struggle. Right. Yeah, that's true. You have to find the people that go, you know what? That's sacred. I'm going to protect that. Mm-hmm. I got you. Mm. Um, because that then encourages that cycle. 
Yeah, I love that. Yeah. And then also, though, you say, um, I've heard you say you have to lose to win. Yeah. It's like sorrow and joy. It's like it's just all part of the story. Mm -hmm. You know, we we're totally excited when things are going our way and when we have love and great things happening. And when we have something tough happening, I think even though we can identify it like, hey, this is this is really hard for me. It, too, is a part of the story. Mm. You know, Laird said something once that I really stuck with me because his sport is so defined differently. Like, you don't win or lose. You just live just, and die yeah, kind of thing. <laughs> Literally. Yeah. Uh, he said, when you are held under, your intention for why you're there is very clear. Mm. Because, so I guess what that means is when you're in business, if you're doing it for your real reasons and you're clear what those reasons are, when it gets really bad and you're still there, and the same with sport, because you want to, because you know you, you can and you have something you need to express because you believe in it, it surpasses the humiliation. Mm -hmm. If you're not clear with all that and you're just like, well, I just did it because my friends were doing it or they said I was good at it or I thought I could make some extra money, you'll be gone. Mm -hmm. And so I think it's, it's like anyone, it's like in a relationship when we're going through the hard time, your intention for why you're there is so clear in that moment because that's the only way you can stand back up. Yeah. I use the word yet to get myself back up. So it's like, uh -huh. all right, you that's didn't right. achieve it yet. Yes. You know, you're not there yet. You haven't got the skill set yet. And it just empowers me to say, all right, I may not be as good as I want to be, yeah. but I'm on the path to getting there. Yeah. And Laird also says there's, a, there's only one first day. So if people are going to try something new or they're intimidated, he's like, listen, there's only one first day. Mm -hmm. And if we can get that first day behind us, then we have another. If we're in a bad situation and we go, hey, I'm not there yet. But now we've sort of survived an ass whipping. It's like, OK, I survived that one. And here I am. OK, I'm all here. These are these are really powerful lessons for mm -hmm. us. I love that. Ah, oh, God, I could talk to you forever, oh. girl, seriously. Um, thank you so much for your honesty and transparency. Oh. Yeah. Um, I don't think we feel differently. I mean, I think as humans, we sort of are all sharing a lot of... Do you think so? I don't know about I, that. I think we want and need a lot of the same things. A hundred percent. Yeah. Yes. I think how we view it may be different, but I think what we really all genuinely, most of us kind of want is so, so very similar. I love that. You know. What's your superpower, girl? I think I am not attached uh, as much to my identity. Mm. I feel mm -hmm. like I, I've been good at that, okay at that. And the other thing that in some ways is my superpower but works against me is I'm always looking for homeostasis, mm. which sometimes is not great because mm. there's not a lot of passion here or it doesn't appear. So that's my both. And where can people find you online? Um, actually, I have a my I have a podcast That's coming right. out. When um, does that release? It starts Monday, my, January twentieth. So maybe by the time this is out, it'll already be out. And what is it called? So people uh, the Gabby Reese Show. I'm not that original. And then uh, I'm just at Gabby Reese, you know, and my Instagram. We'll put a bunch of links in the description Thank below. You. Thank guys, you, guys. Guys, go check this woman out. She's freaking amazing. So yeah, go follow her. And if you're not following me, follow me at Lisa Billu. And if this episode brought you value, guys, please do share it and spread the love. And until next time, be the hero of your own life.